Tab Booty, the Fight CRC podcast. Colorectal cancer patients are often faced with circumstances related to their disease that aren't openly discussed. In Tab Booty, the Fight CRC podcast, we delve into those topics that are sometimes considered controversial, trending, or just plain interesting. Listen in as we talk to experts, patients, and caregivers who provide accurate, real, and practical information for cancer survivors. It's time for us to bring these issues to light. Listen in from anywhere, from your car to the chemo chair. To suggest a podcast topic, email answers at fightcrc.org. I'm happy to introduce Dr. Tim Byers from the University of Colorado. Dr. Byers is an Associate Dean at the Colorado School of Public Health and the Associate Director at the University of Colorado Cancer Center. He's an expert leader in the field of cancer prevention and research. Thank you, Dr. Byers, for joining us. Well, I'm glad to join you as well. Thanks for inviting me. So today, Dr. Byers, we're going to be talking about medical marijuana for cancer patients. We know it's a topic of much debate and discussion, so we're really happy to have you here to give us your opinions on the subject. Right now, there are 23 states that have medical marijuana programs, but new legislation is being introduced in several other states to expand this. So to get us started, can you provide a background on the use of marijuana from a public health perspective? Yeah, so I, I'm uh, like a lot of uh, physicians. I'm uh, kind of on a steep learning curve uh, about marijuana because it's really been only in the past few years, I'd say the past decade or so, when uh, marijuana for uh, medical uses has sort of reemerged. Now, it, it's not that it's a new drug, obviously. It's centuries old, and there's, uh, if, if you look in the history, there's uh, uh, a mixed story about marijuana, and I say mixed because uh, the, the history of marijuana indicates that it does have medicinal effects of various kinds, but it also has uh, uh, recreational or drug abuse uh, types of, of effects. And so the way we've responded to marijuana as a society um, takes into consideration both the the, the abuse potential of, of marijuana and, and, and hence the illegal nature uh, of it as a drug, but also uh, the, the, the medicinal uh, qualities. So I think we're starting now in the last decade in this country to finally sort of level that out and, and, and figure that out and try to make sure that any beneficial and useful medicinal qualities of marijuana uh, could actually be used and exploited to benefit uh, uh, patients uh, and and not uh, hidden under this rug of, of illegality that, that that we have. And so, like you said, about half of the states now have med uh, have access to medicinal marijuana for uh, for their uh, populations, uh, including Colorado, where we've had medical marijuana for now, I think, 12 or 13 uh, years. And as you might know, we also in Colorado, just over the last year, have also uh, allowed for recreational marijuana. The, uh, the governor here prefers to call that retail marijuana instead of recreational, uh, as opposed to, uh, to, to medical. So the, the history of marijuana is very interesting, goes back centuries. Uh, it's been clear for a long time that there are effects of marijuana and compounds derived from that plant that have 
physiological or medical or biological uh, effects that could be uh, helpful and therapeutic. But it's really been a mixed story because of the illegality of it. And so um, as we talk, I'd be happy to describe both what we know about the positive uh, effects of marijuana as well as some of the adverse effects. Do you feel like this is a subject that comes up a lot related to cancer patients? Yeah, uh, marijuana does come up a lot with uh, uh, cancer patients, and it really started, I think, with nausea, uh, but but now it's more extended into pain and, and sleep quality and, and other symptoms. Uh, it's been known for a long time that <clears throat> marijuana can reduce the nausea, and for many cancer patients, the side effects of, of, of chemotherapy uh, include pretty bad nausea. So marijuana it was useful in cancer patients initially for nausea control. Now, that, I think that's changed a bit, though, because we now have better medications to control nausea much more effectively than, than even marijuana. Um, and I think marijuana is now being used for a wide range of symptoms in cancer patients, including helping to control pain uh, and helping to uh, improve the quality of sleep uh, and, and thereby to reduce the big problem that a lot of cancer survivors have, which is this uh, cancer-related fatigue uh, that comes on for several reasons, including uh, just poor sleep quality. So I think cancer patients now are using uh, marijuana for uh, not just nausea, but more commonly, I think, for pain and and, and sleep and, and other um, neuromuscular uh, problems that marijuana seems to benefit. So, Dr. Byers, are all forms of marijuana the same? Well, uh, marijuana is just sort of a, a, a catch-all term for uh, anything that comes out of a, a, of a certain species of plants, the, the, the marijuana plant. Now, like any plant, um, there are hundreds or thousands, literally, of compounds uh, within within that plant. Uh, within the marijuana plants, there's two general kinds or classes of types of compounds or, or, or chemicals or medicines that that the plant has. Uh, one type of uh, compound is uh, uh, creates the high uh, that marijuana can create. And that's why, on, on a recreational basis, marijuana has be become very popular. Because uh, when ingested or inhaled, uh, that particular type of compound uh, can, can stimulate the brain and, and, and give a sensation of euphoria or high or sort of speed up creative processes, which can create uh, pleasant and, and, and positive uh, feelings uh, in, in, in people. But it, it, that also can create very unpleasant and negative feelings uh, uh, as well. So the marijuana high that that class of compounds creates uh, is itself sort of a mixed bag, depending on, on how that's uh, interpreted. I think for medicinally, more important, though, is another class of compounds uh, in marijuana plants, which does not cause a high, but does create effects on uh, the body, especially the nervous system, that can have some beneficial effects in terms of pain control and nausea control and, and reducing spasms and, and in some people reducing seizures 
uh, improving sleep quality and maybe even helping with some disorders like post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, which is very common in our society and which actually happens in cancer patients as well. I mean, some, some cancer patients, because of the uh, physical and psychological trauma of having gone through uh, uh, cancer treatment, get a uh, post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD type uh, reaction where it's hard for them to um, to get rid of those adverse uh, memories uh, of, of, of cancer uh, and, and its treatment. And so uh, the, the two classes of compounds in marijuana behave quite differently. The, the one class uh, of compounds that can make you high is sort of what has made marijuana popular as a recreational drug. But the other class of compounds, which has these other effects that don't make you high but have these other mostly neurological uh, effects, are, I think, the ones that are much more interesting medicinally. Now, what's happening in uh, states that have uh, medical marijuana, and I can speak for Colorado in particular, is that there is now developing uh, within that industry uh, some pretty sophisticated horticultural uh, plant breeding techniques that uh, are breeding marijuana plants to be very enriched in that non-high producing type of compound and, and, and very low in the types of compounds that make you high so that when then uh, patients either ingest or inhale uh, uh, products from those types of plants they can get more of the medical benefits and less of the nuisance of feeling like they're they're high all the time. And so, one of the advances I think that's happened uh, just within the last decade or two is this plant breeding uh, method that can really tailor the product to the needs of the patient. So we've talked about the different ways that marijuana is cultivated for medicinal use. Are there different ways to take marijuana as well? Yeah, marijuana uh, can be uh, inhaled either through burning and smoking, much like a cigarette, and that's been, in rec for recreational marijuana use, that's, I think, been the most uh, common, and that's the, that's the mode of, uh, of, of taking of the drug that is probably we think of first when we think of marijuana, smoking a joint or putting it in a, in a pipe and, and lighting it and inhaling it. Now, uh, w w with that mode of uh, taking the drug, you, you, you get it right away, and, and it's pretty easy then to determine within uh, only a few minutes uh, whether, you, whether you're going to have much of an effect from it and whether you've gotten too little or too much. So it's, it, it's relatively easy to titrate. Other ways to take it, though, involve ingesting it. Um, e either the marijuana oil that can, that, that can be produced from the plants uh, or, or, the, or pieces of the plant itself can be put into foods. Uh, it does need to be heated in order to be activated, but once those foods are, are cooked and prepared, they then can be stored for, for later use, uh, such as putting them in, in cookies or other kinds of sweets or other, other types of uh, foods. And so. Uh, you, you can either inhale it or uh, ingest it. Uh, another way to inhale it, apart from burning uh, and, and, and using it as a cigarette, 
is to vaporize it. So the oil that can be produced from the plant uh, can then itself just be heated and inhaled uh, as a vapor. Uh, so there's there, just like there's now electronic cigarettes, there's also an electronic uh, way to heat that oil to inhale the marijuana vapor. So uh, uh, patients uh, ingest or, or inhale the drugs uh, in various ways. I think it's quite common uh, for medicinal use for patients to prefer to ingest it. Now the problem with ingestion uh, is that it's a little hard to titrate the dose. That is, uh, it takes, instead of just a few minutes, it may take an half, half an hour or 45 minutes before uh, the marijuana uh, that you've eaten is ingested enough for you to know whether or not you've had too much or too little uh, in your dose. But for people who uh, use it chronically, let's say to control chronic uh, muscle spasms or chronic pain or chronic problems with sleep, uh, they're able to figure out over a period of time what their uh, what their right dose is, uh, and, and they're able to titrate it uh, that way. So we, we've run into some problems here in Colorado with the, on the recreational marijuana side with people ingesting too much, uh, where they 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 get uh, so much that they really have a really feel bad and, 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 and feel confused and anxious and so forth. And we've had some unfortunate uh, adverse effects, uh, mostly from recreational marijuana with uh, eating uh, too much of it. But on the medicinal side, I think as long as patients are careful with it and they titrate it carefully and find both a, a type of a product and a dose of that product that seems to work for them, then they can manage it uh, uh, pretty well uh, in, in a number of, uh, of ways to, uh, to ingest it. So I think an important question to address is that we're all too familiar with the effects of tobacco on cancer, but does marijuana cause cancer as well? Yeah, I anything that you burn and inhale can uh, cause cancer, uh, and that's certainly true of tobacco leaves. Uh, it's true of uh, any other sorts of... Uh, uh, adverse air quality uh, uh, things in, in industry, and it's clearly true uh, as well of marijuana smoke. Uh, now, when we do studies uh, and try to find out, well, how much is that risk of lung cancer from uh, inhaling marijuana, it's often hard to see much of an adverse effect, and I think that's largely because the dose is so low. Uh, if we smoked a pack of marijuana cigarettes a day, like we do with tobacco cigarettes, I think we would uh, see this, a similar relationship between inhaling marijuana smoke and inhaling tobacco smoke uh, on lung cancer risk. But the, the reason that there, there appears to be a much bigger risk for tobacco than for marijuana is just because the, the dose of smoke is so low. If, if we smoked a pack a day of marijuana joints, we'd be worthless. Uh, and so people uh, maybe have a, a marijuana joint uh, you know, once or twice a week uh, versus, uh, versus 20 times a day. And so yes, marijuana smoke can cause lung cancer. And there's been lots of studies of it. What we find is a very weak signal. Uh, that is a, a very low risk of, of lung cancer, but it's not a zero risk from uh, inhaling uh, 
marijuana smoke. Now the good question is whether or not the more modern ways to inhale marijuana through vapor, whether that actually uh, causes lung cancer or not. We don't have any empirical evidence for that, but if you just look at what's inhaled, uh, it would lead you to conclude that uh, if there is any risk there, it's going to be substantially smaller than the uh, already small risk from marijuana smoke itself. So I can't say there's no risk of inhaling the vaporized form of marijuana oil. Um, I suspect there, suspect there is some small risk there, but it's going to be very, very small um, uh, uh, compared to the smoke. Now, in terms of the uh, risk of ingesting marijuana uh, for cancer, there's really no basis for concern of that. Uh, we don't have any good empirical evidence to say that there's not a risk there, but just uh, in terms of the biological uh, reasons that we might uh, expect uh, cancer risk from that, they, they just really aren't there. So uh, I think the, in terms of cancer risk, the main concern would be the, the, the risk uh, from lung cancer and, and throat cancer from ingesting smoke, which, uh, like I said, compared to tobacco is quite small because of a much lower dose. I know that we've already touched on this some in this discussion, but just to expand upon it further, is medical marijuana effective for cancer symptoms or managing symptoms from treatment for patients? Well, as I said earlier, uh, my learning curve is pretty steep on this. Um, so I'm, I'm in my mid-60s now, and I've been uh, working in, in medicine and cancer research for for a large number of years and really haven't been paying much attention at all to the marijuana literature uh, until just the last few years when uh, the debate was raised here in Colorado about whether we should legalize marijuana for recreational or retail use uh, and, and, and also when I was appointed to uh, be a member of a scientific advisory board for the state health department uh, about me medical marijuana. I said, well, sure, I'll I'll be happy to do that, but I, I need to learn a lot. And so just in the last couple of years, I've been trying to catch up on my reading of what the scientific evidence really is. And my prejudice going into that was that there really probably weren't very many studies and that we probably really didn't know very much uh, about medical marijuana effectiveness. But I, I was surprised, actually, that there's really quite a lot of uh, pretty good research uh, I wish there was more, and I think there will be more in the coming years. Uh, but we already have a pretty good basis to know a lot of things about marijuana. Number one, that there are these two classes of compounds in the plant, uh, the type of compound that makes you high, and then the type of compound that does not make you high, but that does appear to have uh, some beneficial uh, effects in the body. And those those effects have been proven now through uh, lots of uh, uh, well-done research to prove that, yes, indeed, marijuana can reduce nausea. Yes, indeed, marijuana can reduce pain. It can reduce symptoms of muscle spasms. Uh, it can improve sleep quality. And I think we have some strong uh, evidence. Uh, well, let, let me say, I think we have some strong anecdotal reports and I hope we get better evidence in the future that marijuana actually is effective for some people to reduce epileptic seizures and post-traumatic stress disorder 
and maybe other conditions such as bipolar disorder. So it's, it's too soon to conclude those things for sure, but uh, I, I've been impressed in, in my uh, catching up with the scientific literature in the last couple of years that uh, indeed marijuana does have beneficial effects that can be used uh, uh, medically. And as we look to the future now, uh, we need to fix uh, some of the federal legislation that restricts our ability to do good research on, let's say, some of the newer plant breeds and some of the some of the newer types of medicinal compounds that are being created by the medical marijuana uh, industry, we need to re to to remove the restrictions on federal research uh, so that we can really study uh, what works and what doesn't for the benefit of cancer patients. So you feel like there'll be an increased amount of funding and an increased amount of research as we move forward. I, I think there will be, but there's huge barriers. There's federal law that gets in the way, so that uh, it's very hard. Uh, for instance, here in Colorado, we we just uh, within the past couple months we just committed uh, nine million dollars worth of state funds to do research on medical marijuana. Uh, some of those projects are being done here in Colorado. Some are being done in other states around uh, the country, funded by Colorado money. Uh, but what we found in getting, uh, in reviewing those grants and in getting that funding out, is it's very difficult, even for outstanding researchers, uh, to do this kind of research because of all the hoops they have to jump through to get the federal approvals. Uh, to do uh, do research involving marijuana, I wish it was easier. Uh, one of the one of the sad consequences of that is that the the new products that the medical marijuana horticulturalists are producing t for patients uh, that are tailored to what the patient's needs are that have this other type of compound that doesn't make you high but that appear to have medical benefits. Those new products. Uh, we cannot test them in clinical trials because the federal government tells us that if you do studies, you have to use a, a product that the federal government grows in its own farm uh, down in Mississippi. And so we're constrained on the, uh, e even on the research, after we've jumped through all those hoops, we're constrained on the questions that we can address. And so, uh, yes, I do think more research will be done. But uh, the big breakthrough in that needs to await some change in federal uh, policy. I know uh, it, just in preparation for this discussion uh, today, I went online and, and uh, took a look at what Sanjay Gupta, uh, the medical director for CNN, has been saying recently. And he, too, has been pointing this out, that we really need to change federal policy about both the availability of medical marijuana for the other 27 states that don't now have it available uh, and uh, federal restrictions on marijuana research. So I think the big question that patients are wondering is if a patient lives in a state where medical marijuana is legal, should they try it? So what, what, I, what I tell uh, patients is that uh, you, you should you should discuss this with your doctor. Now, uh, don't, don't, don't necessarily make, make your doctor be the decider about whether you try it or not. But I think as you do try new approaches to improve symptoms such as pain or muscle spasm or poor sleep quality or nausea, 
uh, as you try new approaches to that, whether it be marijuana or anything else, I think it's good to keep your doctor in the loop on that. And just say, well, you know, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be trying this. We'll, we'll see, because it, it, it's possible that at that point in the discussion, your doctor may say something like, well, I think there's maybe a better uh, uh, approach. We haven't, we haven't tried this approach to control those symptoms. Why don't we, we try that first? Or your doctor uh, uh, may be uh, skeptical and say, well, you know, I don't think marijuana is any good. Well, it's still your decision. And you still could, uh, you you still could try it. But at least that initial discussion with your doctor leaves the door open for further discourse and dialogue. So that let, let's say you do try medical marijuana and it helps with whatever your symptom is, uh, then when you see your doctor again, you can provide that feedback and say, look, I I did try it and it, and it seemed to help, and uh, and then that becomes evidence or information for that doctor to use with subsequent patients and and also to help you in, in your long-term symptom management. So, yeah, I think patients should discuss this as an option with their doctor. Um, and, uh, and, and if their doctor completely shuts him down and says, no, you absolutely shouldn't do that, then I think the patient's got some discussion to do with the doctor about what, what, what's the reason for that? Why, why are you saying that? Uh, uh, to try to determine whether or not the doctor's saying that because maybe there's better options to control symptoms or whether there's just some sort of a prejudice on the doctor's uh, uh, side uh, about that. But uh, I, think, I think it's fine to explore uh, various kinds of options uh, in complementary and alternative medicines and including medicinal marijuana to control symptoms, but uh, it's always better uh, if, if, if the physician is, is in the loop on, on that uh, uh, with the patient. So making sure that communication is open and that if you're interested in trying medical marijuana that you're having an open discussion with your provider about. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be uh, important. Not because necessarily medical marijuana will directly interfere with any kind of cancer treatment or anything, but uh, I think anything that the patient is doing uh, to, or needing to control symptoms, uh, should the, the physician should be aware of that so that he or she can, can help to uh, advise and, and, and manage all those things uh, on behalf of the patient. Well, Dr. Byers, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today and talk to us about medical marijuana. We feel like it's really important that cancer patients have accurate information and can ask good questions of their healthcare team. So thank you again for the information. It's been very helpful. Sure. I'm, I'm happy to join you today, and uh, I, I'm very honored that you, uh, you, you gave me a call. Thank you so much. Please remember that medical marijuana is not legal in all states, so please check with your healthcare provider about what treatment options are best for you. Thank you for joining our first Tabuti podcast. Remember that this information is for educational purposes only, and all medical questions should be directed to your doctor.